Today, got me new Belgium, and it's got a fat tire. Mm-hmm. Because I guess uh, bikes got fat tires on them that are red and are from Belgium. So we'll, we'll go with that. Today, we got a very special episode of the Geeking Off podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about getting started in Linux. And we're going to talk a little bit about our experiences when uh, we got started into the Linux world and how we can give you advice and help to help you get started in this wonderful Linux ecosystem. In this episode, we will be bringing on the new co-host that applied via the co-host. Just to let some of you know, we are going to change that form over to become a guest. So even if you signed up in the past and was, was not selected, you can go ahead and be on the future episode as a guest in the show. And we're also going to leave that form open so if anybody else wants to become a guest in the future, they can. So with that, let's go ahead and get started with our first segment where you get to meet Mr. J.D. Hart, 89. Hello and welcome to the main discussion of the Geeking Off podcast. Today, meet the new co-host, JD Hart 89. Go ahead and say hi to the folks there. How's everyone doing? You feeling good today? <laughs> it's nice to be here. First podcast I've ever been in. We're going to talk about getting started with Linux. One thing to always keep in mind when starting in Linux, don't be intimidated by the new things. Most Linux distros are just easy to learn as Windows. Some people get scared of Linux because most people describe it as using a bunch of technical terms, terminals, you know, you got the terminals and you think, oh my God, Linux is all about the terminal. What am I going to do? And you got to install it with a, with, with a, you got to compile a kernel and it's all this hard work to get going. I'm sure you've heard that stuff before, haven't you? Oh, I have many a times. My first time with Linux, I was very confused with it. Every time you try it over and over again, you're saying to yourself, eh, it's not too bad. It's and it not gets, too bad at all. It gets better over time. It does. It really does, people. Now, it, for, some, for some people, everyone likes doing the command line, the more advanced users of Linux. For me, I like the GUI. Now, I think it would be fun, kind of interested, to kind of tell our stories about how we got started in Linux. I'll just go ahead and get it started. Back in about, I would say, 1998, I think there was a store called OnQ at the time. And for about five bucks, they had this Mandrake Linux on display. And I'm like, what is this Linux all about? And a big penguin sitting on the thing. I'm like, what is this? I looked at the back of the box and it shows screenshots of all these interesting looking desktop environments. So. I figured, heck, why not? I'll pick it up. Took it home, installed it on my machine, and got to the desktop environment, and I was like, what in the world is this? At that time, it really didn't do much for me. About the only thing I could do with it is dial up on the internet and hop on the web and uh, play some music on it. At that time, I was a big uh, 
gamer at the time and couldn't play some games on it and that just broke it for me. Um, if I was just into web browsing and some basic apps, I don't even think it had an office suite back in that time. I don't know. I can't honestly remember what was in that uh, distribution that I got. So I played with it for a couple of days and eventually said, all right, got to get back to my Windows so I can play some Duke Nukem 3D. That <laughs> <laughs> was a top game. <laughs> now, fast forward about to uh, 2010. I'm over at my um, wife's cousin's house, and he had Ubuntu, I believe, 10.4 at the time. I'm not quite sure on the version, but he had that installed on the machine, and I just kind of clicked around and played with it, and I said, oh, I like this. So I decided, all right, I'm going to go ahead and put this on a USB stick and uh, kind of toy with it. So I did for a few months. I toyed with it. I loved it. As a matter of fact, it was more functional than I was used to. And at this time in my life, I was not into PC gaming anymore. I was more into the console gaming. And the only thing that held me back was doing video production. Because I was at that time, I was into YouTube and doing vlogs. And I did a lot of vlogs at the time. And so it just didn't work for me because I couldn't edit vlogs in it. But it made a great way to securely browse the web in my mind. So I used it for that. And then fast forward right. a couple more years later... My wife got a laptop with Windows 7. I always, almost every month, was cleaning all the malware and all the junk that she had installed on that thing. I eventually got <laughs> sick of it and installed um, Ubuntu, I think it was 12.4 at the time. In a different interface, that's when they went Unity. Because after playing with Ubuntu 10, it was like, uh, I really fell in love with that interface. What's with this Unity? And it kind of turned me off. I'm like, is this what Linux is all about? Well, at this time, I didn't realize the difference in distributions. So I just left um, that version of Ubuntu on her machine, and she got used to it. She didn't bother her because all she does is browse the web and uploads the pictures from her digital camera onto the thing. So it worked perfect for her, and uh, trying to figure out her issues and work on that. At the time, I was still on my Windows 7 because still media production in Linux was kind of just starting to break ground at that time. Then I decided I wanted to make the switch to Linux. So what I did, of course, is I downloaded a bunch of distributions and played with them in VirtualBox to see which ones I liked, which ones I didn't like. And eventually I fell in love with Arch Linux because it reminded me of the old days of DOS where you install the operating system and you build upon it from there. And I just <laughs> fell in love with that. And I'm still a user of Arch to this day. I put Ubuntu Mate on other systems that are not as that just I just want them to work and have a basic operating system on them and uh, I use CentOS for anything that's server related and I've just been growing from there I use Ubuntu Mate and I actually really like it I really really like it, it that's the reason, because... why, the reason why I like it is because when I first got into the first, when I first got into the first Ubuntu it was like that's the that's the desktop environment I fell in love with and then they just changed it. And then yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, no, no, no. So I went back to Ubuntu. Uh, when I, they came out with Mate Edition, I'm like, oh, you brought back that old feel that I fell in love with. <laughs> that, that was the first time I... Uh, the first version of Ubuntu I tried was 9.10. Uh, 9.10, actually. So what was and so start from the beginning. Is that where you actually started from when you started getting into Linux? That's where I, that's where I started from. The reason why I had really old hardware, I started out with old hardware, Pentium 4, 
512 megabytes of RAM, RAM Windows XP. It, it just got to the point where, okay, anything you install starts taking up more memory, RAM memory. Anything you open, your RAM memory is spiked again, especially the updates. Windows updates, I couldn't deal with them anymore. You had to wait at least an hour <laughs> for that old hardware. You had to wait for it. I know, I hated that, because then it would update, and you'd be busy working on something. You're like, oh yeah, i got to work on this spreadsheet. Your system is now rebooting. Doo-doo-doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> it was so stupid. Every time you, you turn around and you boot your system, oh, there's a Windows update. Please install now. Install it. And 20 minutes later, it's still going. <laughs> yeah. And it still has to do I'm stuff like, when it reboots. It's like configuring your updates after it reboots. <laughs> it's still doing more. Like with Ubuntu, you, you're able to install the update, but it'll tell you to restart. You restart, it's straight back to the desktop again. In some situations, some of the um, you can actually do the updates and not have to restart right away. You can let it run for another five hours. It's not going to force shut down on you. You can exactly. still continue to do your work even after updates are complete if you have auto updates on. And that's one thing I like about Linux is you could turn that off and you could manually update it whenever you feel like it. Exactly. Now... Windows 10 is the kicker. I, I tried Windows 10. I dual-booted Ubuntu and Windows. And what I was starting to see from Windows 10, that they forced the updates on you for everything. I, I, that's when I said, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, that's not very nice I, I'm, I'm done. The reason why I wanted to go anything Linux is for when I encode a video, I'm still able to watch YouTube in 720p on my weak-ass hardware. And there are, there are people out there that are saying, oh, I can't play any games that go with Windows on on Linux. You actually can for some of them, if you have the right hardware to do it. Oh, I yeah. was able to play a, a cheap game uh, and live stream it for a little while, uh, about last week or so. I actually tried, and it worked. And, and Steam is always, always, line. always porting more and more games every day. I'm amazed at how the library just keeps growing and growing on Steam. Yeah, just run it through Wine. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you got that thing so and got up to where you are now and got started with Linux, how do you feel about it now in this current day? Love it. <laughs> just love it, yeah. I'm, to me, it's like an I obsession. Love, for people that want to, get, to go from uh, Windows to Linux, it's not too hard to install either. It's just like installing Windows, just a little different. You're able to run the live system straight from your DVD or USB stick. Oh, yeah. Just look around on it, see how it is. That's the best thing about it. With Windows, you can't do that. You're just like, okay, I have to install right now. Will I like it or will I not like it? <laughs> exactly. So you have that constraint there. Start with testing. VMs, USB sticks. I'll go through my what I did. Of course, I ran everything in virtual machines and played with them and tested them out. See which flavors I like the best and choose my favorite flavor of ice cream. And mm -hmm. if you don't have a virtual machine, you have another solution for that. Am I correct? Or just try to boot from the USB stick itself. Yeah, boot from You're the USB stick. And then you, it'll, and especially in, like, uh, I believe it's Mint and Ubuntu, you can go ahead, it'll help you configure the partitions to dual boot and get you going. I know in Ubuntu, you can choose click install alongside windows and it will do everything automatic for you you don't have to touch a thing if, you're, exactly. if you don't want to play with the partitions now, my experience with Ubuntu Mate uh, 
it's very easy to configure, believe it or not. Especially when you want some uh, animations and some flair to your desktop, you can use Compiz Config. And that comes Compiz included is really now. Nice. That comes included now with, I believe, the 15.10 version. After you play with some of these Linux distributions, you need to find your favorite flavor, flavor of ice cream here. And over here, I'm on the site called distrowatch.com. Right now, I'm on the page that shows you the top 10 Linux distributions. And I would say this, if you're going to start downloading and distro hopping and playing with things, start with the, this top 10. Go ahead and just, if you got the time, download all 10. Starting with number one, Linux Mint. That one is a great one. And of course, number two, Ubuntu. And then number three, Debian, which has come recommended by me a lot. Um... Magia, Magia, and then there's Fedora, then you got mm -hmm. OpenSUSE, Arch Linux, CentOS, <laughs> PC Linux OS, oh, Slackware Linux, and FreeBSD comes in at number 10. I don't know if I'd really consider FreeBSD a Linux distribution, but, eh, well, it's included in this top 10 list here. Download those, put them on USB sticks, pop them in your VM, toy around with them. See which, see which flavor of ice cream you like. Because one of the things you're going to notice in the Linux community, and I deal with this even on my own videos and stuff that I do on the internet, a lot of people want to tell you what's the best. They want to say, Linux Mint is better than Ubuntu, and Gentoo is better than Arch. Don't listen to them. Find your favorite flavor of ice cream. Not everyone likes chocolate, but some people like vanilla. So keep that in mind. Find what you like and what works for you, and then stick with it and grow with it. So don't let the community you know, get you all confused on what's the best. You find your favorite flavor of ice cream. Yeah, I do agree. Uh, I've tried many different ones. Ubuntu with the Unity desktop, Ubuntu Mate, Linux Mint Cinnamon, Linux Mint Mate, uh, Linux Mint Mate and Ubuntu Mate is pretty much the same thing. It's the same backend. It uses all .debian files to install everything with uh, GDeb uh, package uh, installer. It it's, it it's runs off the same thing. It's a lot easier to deal with uh, the Debian uh, distributions versus I don't know the Red Hat and CentOS things kind of get a little bit more trickier <laughs> because sometimes those RPMs just don't want to work. <laughs> But I've never, I've always, oh, I've always had a Debian file work every time. Me too. Because sometimes with Almost like my CentOS box here, sometimes I'll be trying to install an RPM and it'll say unable to resolve dependencies. And then you have to go manually download those dependencies to get that RPM to work. And sometimes you go two or three RPMs down the chain before you can get the main RPM installed. And it's like, wow. I've, I've dealt with that. You either have to use the, repository command line just to get it i think i know why they do it because they want to keep the system rock solid so if you're going to get deep into something you're not going to you're and you're going to break it well you know why <laughs> <laughs> i've been there with ati graphics cards it's just not fun oh yeah been there done that and when you run into these situations sometimes you're gonna you're gonna hit google Sometimes you'll be searching for a problem, and the first search result you find is a forum where somebody's asking that exact same question as you. And you go in there, mm -hmm. and the second post is, go Google it. I don't know how many times I ran into this when I was trying to research a problem. I Google it just to find a forum 
where some jerk off is telling me to go Google it in the form. Yeah, post. I've been there too. Oh. I, I've, I've been there too. And then you go to something like a reputable site where it goes to like noobslab.com or uh, mintguide.org. If you run Linux, Mint, go there. Just go there, people. Yeah, or even just you, YouTube. If you have a tablet or something that you can view it on if you crash your graphics driver. <laughs> yes, and I've, I've been there looking up how to fix it on the phone. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I had to do it, and I got confused. I said, screw it, I'll just reinstall it again. And sometimes you do. you got to fall down and fail and, and try again. And that's the thing of how you learn. Even after you get a working system, nuke it. Nuke and pave that sucker and try again. Just so you learn it. Mm -hmm. And when you're running around the communities, don't let the jerks... In, and trust me, there's quite a bit of them out there in the Linux community. Don't let those jerks um, discourage you from continuing on learning Linux. And I, I kind of have a theory here, and I've heard this in another podcast where they interviewed the uh, a lug member here in my state, in Bozeman. What, does the everyday guy have a place at a lug? I, I'm not sure there are everyday Linux people. I don't know. I, I kind of think there aren't everyday Linux people. <laughs> Not yet. We're working. I don't on know that, if I though. want everyday Linux people. Well, that, that's interesting. Let's let's approach that because that uh, you know, I've spoken before. I, I've said that oftentimes uh, one of the uh, most deleterious aspects of the Linux community is, in fact, the Linux community. Uh, they they often uh, are elite people who like that way and don't want to be bothered by the normals. Um, so, I mean, you, you sort of alluded to that. What, what is your thoughts on that? I could be just as cocky as anybody else, but in seriousness, um, I just don't want Linux to be dumbed down and to be taken uh, a hold of by the masses where it becomes a big target for hackers to, to break into people's systems. I like being an, uh, a less popular system. I mean, it does what I want. I've been using it forever, so I'm happy with it. I don't really need everyone else to use it so that I feel good. I'm happy where I'm at. He said, you know, I don't really want newbies to come to the party. Um, and I kind of criticized him as being the problem and not the solution. Uh, but he's not alone. There are lots and lots of Linux guys who think just like that. I, oh, want, yeah. Linux, I want Linux to stay small. I want Linux to be the 1% because then only the geek come to the party. And I'm a geek and I like other geeks. Right. Some of these people feel threatened by the noobs. They feel the noobs as a threat to them because we're invading on their geeky, you know, cliche niche environment that they've had for many, many years. And all of a sudden, since about 2010, all these noobs are starting to pour in and we're all getting interested in it. And all of a sudden, their, their secret private little world is being invaded on. And so there's still people out there that don't want us noobs here. It's like this. They have to deal with it because Windows is failing miserably. It is and it always will. Especially after Windows 8, it failed and it's still failing. It, They're trying to come it's back. It's still on that downward spiral, spiral to the de devil's depths of hell. I've been heavy into Linux for three years. I still feel like I'm in the noobish stage. And, I, I, you know, when new people come in and ask me questions, I'm not going to be that jerk and says, you're not welcome. I'm going to join them and I'm going to welcome them in into this world. And as we all do that together, 
eventually the poor old fuddy-duddies are just going to have to move on and deal with it. They're just going to have to deal with us because we're here exactly, and we're here to stay. Exactly, because I also had someone switch to uh, Linux Mint Cinnamon. They love it. They they came from Windows 7. And they said, I'm getting so sick and tired of getting viruses all the time. I'm tired of having to reinstall the OS. I said, move to Linux. And they did. It's kind of funny because when I switched Roy over to Linux for the first time, I go over to maintain his machine just to kind of check up on him. And I checked the download folder, and it had about 30 EXE files in there. <laughs> I don't know how he got them, but at least they didn't do anything. Because I didn't even install Wine for him because just to be on the safe side, he, he's going to yeah. be safe. He, he's going he's gonna to click on those EXE files and ain't going to do nothing. Getting started with Linux is the software. Now, if you're coming from, like he said, if you're used to Nero Burning ROM, you got Rosario or K3B. If you're looking for Office, you have Microsoft Office. Well, you got your Google Docs if you're online. And you got, you know, LibreOffice also installed on the operating system. But if you want my recommendation, I'd say go with the Google Docs. Yeah, Google Docs is so much easier because you can save in any format that you want. Yeah, and you can and it's it cross platform from your tablet to your phone to your computer. And then if you're looking for like graphic editing, GIMP is really great. Um, oh, but if if you're on the level of um, you know what do you say Photoshop, but you're not very pro at Photoshop, you just use it for some basic photo editing. Heck, if you're just one of those people that just did it in MS Paint. Um, GIMP is going to get the job done for you. Now, there's more advanced programs out there like Blender. OpenShot, if you if if you want to compare it to something, is like the the Windows Movie Maker of Linux, level wise. It is. You know, it, it's it it's is. enough to get the basic stuff done. And then, you, of course, right. you got Kadian Live if you want to get a little bit more advanced. And if you're into the Premiere and Sony Vegas world, there is Lightworks, which will fit the bill if you're into that level of editing. Exactly. You have to pay for it, but it's still a lot cheaper than Adobe Premiere. <laughs> yeah. It really is. And and that's what and the reason why I use Lightworks is because yeah, you have to pay for it, but I'm paying for the future development of it and there's always updates. And then there's programs like OpenShot. They just haven't seen an update in years now. <laughs> it's and true. That's, and that's what's nice it, about it. It's, you know, some people say you don't have to pay for the software, go for an open source alternative. But if you're willing to help pay for a project, support them because even even if they just accept donations, support the project because if they need to they eat too. It. So after you get through going through your VMs, going through your uh, boot live disks or USB sticks, you find your favorite flavor of ice cream, you pick the one you want, You've got it installed. You're now using it. You're trying to find good advice, avoiding any of the neck beards out there that are going to be trolling you. But just keep moving forward. You're there. There is a lot of nice people out there. Trust me. <laughs> keep working with what you got. Keep playing with it. Keep keep toying with it. Keep breaking it. Sometimes that's what you need to do. Break it. Fix it. Break it. And eventually, over time, you will get better at what you're doing. And you'll have no more fear anymore. And all of a sudden, it's just fun to break it. And do remember to keep your stuff backed up. You know, if, if you're just starting, um, save all your files to a USB thumb drive, all your important files at the time. Just save them to a USB thumbstick. So that way, if you have to nuke your machine, you don't have to sit there, back up, and find all your files. 
or use a USB uh, um, hard drive to keep your stuff on. So if you need to nuke and pave, you don't have to go back up files, go find them. You've already got them on a device and all you have to do is just start all over. I quickly learned about Clonezilla. And every time I do any super major updating or changes of the machine, I Clonezilla that sucker. And it's kind of funny. When I, when I don't Clonezilla, I break it and I'm kind of in a bad situation. But if, every time I clone Zillet, everything works out fine and I never have to go back. So it's kind of like insurance. It is insurance. Free insurance at that. Yeah, exactly. And you could use CloneZilla even for your Windows partitions, whatever. And if you if you only have like one hard drive, but you built your Linux Mint, you got it rock solid, you got all the programs, but you really want to try, you know, I don't know, OpenSUSE. You can go ahead and CloneZilla your hard drive, save the image, and go ahead and install your OpenSUSE and build it up and see how you like that. And you say, oh, one day I don't like this. You can CloneZilla your OpenSUSE and restore your Linux Mint um, clone and you're back to where you were before like nothing happened. So now with those tips to help get you going in Linux, go ahead, start playing. Um, if you get stuck, always look up a YouTube video and somebody will actually show you the steps of what the installation process is like. Just follow along what they're doing with the version that you picked out and that'll help you get it installed and get you started. And sometimes, like I said, with YouTube nowadays, something we didn't have on the old days, you can watch somebody go through the process and experience it before you even touch it yourself. So just go out there, go download, go play, go break, and just have fun with it. And welcome to this next segment. And this one, we're just gonna talk about Linux pronunciations or pronouncing distros is what I have here in the show notes. Ubuntu, <laughs> believe it or not, is the most mispronounced Linux distribution out there. I don't know how many times I've been told I'm doing it wrong. And right now I'm gonna play a quick little clip here. According to this, this is how you pronounce Ubuntu. 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 Just like he said in that video. Very easy, you know, <laughs> there's some history behind that. <laughs> some people say Ubuntu, Ubuntu, or uh, Ubuntu. Some people say it like that. It's just Ubuntu. Just Ubuntu. Done. Okay, here I am on the official Ubuntu website to kind of give you a little pronunciation and the meaning of it. Ubuntu is an ancient Af African word meaning humanity to others. It also means I am what I am because of who we all are. Wow, that is a that that's that says a lot. The Ubuntu operating system brings the spirit of Ubuntu to the world of computers. Well, at least they're trying, right? For some of us that didn't care too much for the Unity, but there are people out there like my dad who loves it. Just loves it. Thinks it's the greatest thing since white sliced bread. Okay, and here's another here's another mispronounced one all the time is, well, mate. A lot of people tell you to say mate, but here I'm going to play a clip of how to say this word and how to pronounce it. So let's go ahead and listen to that real quick. Mate, as in friend, or mate, as in a drink. As you just heard there, it said mate, as in a friend, or mate, as a drink. Now, I'm not sure I haven't done my research on this, but I guess according to that word, it could be pronounced two ways. I mean, Ubuntu mate could be your friend. 
Ubuntu Mate could be your flavor of drink. So that one, I don't know. I hear I hear a lot of people do say in the community, they do call it Mate. So I'm guessing they are referring to the drink. It's kind of minty. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had it. I, I'm just joking around here because the uh, Linux Mint and the Ubuntu Mate. Okay, I see. Maybe reminds me yeah. of Linux Mint. That makes sense. It's very minty flavors. <laughs> and you can't go wrong with chocolate oh. mint. Mm-mm. Or some cinnamon in there. <laughs> Linux Mint Cinnamon. Hmm. It's spicy and cold at the same time. Mm-mm-mm. I use gooey all day long. <laughs> he likes to get gooey. And that ends this segment on how to pronounce Ubuntu distros. And there's probably more that I don't know about, but if you know of some, go ahead and send them in. We'll have some fun with it later on in the future. Now for our random discussion segment. Only thing in the show notes is I got destroying electronics for fun. Have you ever done this? (laughs) Oh, plenty of times. (laughs) (laughs) I remember taking apart two hard drives, bending the platters up, plugging them into an old power supply and just like, just letting them grind together. I actually uh, tore apart hard drives, let it out in the open air, see how long it would take for for them to start saying, oh, here's a bad sector here, here's a bad sector there, then you shut it down and reboot, then it just does a click of death. Yeah. <laughs> then, you just tear, then you just tear the whole thing apart and just fling the disc like a, uh, a freaking ninja star, pretty much. <laughs> Done that. And there's there's a few videos of me destroying computers um, on my channel. I've also done this with the older style Intel Celeron processor from eh, Windows 98 era, 2000 era. I unplugged the I unplugged the uh, CPU heatsink fan, just let it run, <laughs> and that thing got pretty toasty. I couldn't even touch it. Oh, not good. <laughs> I've also tried to boot up a computer without the heatsink on the CPU whatsoever. Oh yeah, I've done that, and especially on an a- it was on an AMD, and boy, it literally started smoking. You could see it bubbling and melting, and it was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh- that's one thing. I think AMD can take more of a beating than an Intel processor. That's just my opinion. <laughs> but when you cook them, they I cook don't know. good. Oh, big time. Oh, yeah. Let's just throw a piece of uh, steak on there and see if it'll fry it up, and it actually does. <laughs> it probably would. <laughs> especially video especially if you can that. make a heat that There's an experiment for somebody. Make a heat sink that comes up off the CPU, and it's just a flat platter that you could actually try to cook something on. Yeah, that would work. Fry an egg on that. It would work. It probably could just uh, overclock the living crap out yeah. of it and render a video for a while. <laughs> <laughs> while you're cooking breakfast. <laughs> cheat man, it's a cheap man's way of uh, making breakfast without a damn stove. <laughs> you thought the definition of you can fry an egg on the sidewalk? Well, wait till you fry an egg on a CPU platter. And if you're cold in the winter? Computers make great eaters. Yeah, they do, especially when you have an eight-core processor or a dual Intel Xeons. <laughs> yeah, screw it. You don't, you, don't need for, you don't need forest air heating. Just hook up the uh, the ducts in your house to the back of your computer. You're good to go. <laughs> or if you have a server farm in one room, there you go. One time, I took a keyboard and took a flathead screwdriver to the face of that keyboard and just went... <laughs> And the keys were <laughs> flying all over the room. 
I think in that place <laughs> I lived, I was still picking up those keys five years after I moved out. Oh, wow. Because there's some that just flew, you know, behind something and just stayed there for years. I had an old HP computers. It was a Windows 98 computer, but I had Windows 2000 on it. Didn't plug it in for months. Plugged it in, and all of a sudden, sparks and smoke started flying up the power supply. <laughs> I just, I, I, I might have plugged in just for a wee bit more until I started hearing sizzling sounds because that's capacitors going. <laughs> I've never actually caught one fire, but I have gotten them to smoke and pop. Well, yeah. I, I've seen my wife in it unintentionally um, melt a motherboard in the case of her laptop, her HP, because she always, you know, took it to bed and like had it sitting in her blankets and. The thing just got nowhere, and eventually one day it just turned off and never turned back on. And I took it, I flipped it over, and the bottom plastic's all warped, and it opened up. The mother motherboard was warped and melted, and I'm like, "It's done." <laughs> oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. I hate people like that. I apologize, but people like that just annoy me. <laughs> oh yeah, there's uh, there's always the, uh, I guess you would say. See for the know-it-alls. The, the, I call them the uh, the ones that go the by the book. They went to they went to college for about four years. They learned everything by the book. They're just new in the job field and they think they know it all. To a person like yep. like for example like me, who who actually has experience for sixteen years and tries to tell me how to do it right, and I'm like. Talk to the hand, man. Talk to the hand. <laughs> you just look at them and say. And you're saying in your head, are you effing kidding me? I'm going to slap you. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because I got into it in one of my comment section once. And somebody was going on about how when I work on the computers, I ain't using one of those anti-cheap Chinese stupid, uh, um, you know, anti-static wristbands. Oh, God. Those are the stupidest things ever. You- and you can't even work in the machine with them on because they just get in the way. And I, I replied to the guy and I'm like... All you have to do is keep yourself grounded, touch the chassis, touch something metal, and keep yourself grounded, and you'll be perfectly fine. And he's like, no, 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 no. You have to do it. I'm just like, wow. It's kind of funny because I've actually killed a few mice that way. You're not, not grounding Ow. myself. I've learned to ground myself. Like when I come to the desk, I'll touch my metal filing cabinet over here. Because my previous mouse, <laughs> one day I came over and walked it, and I don't know why. Every time I touched it, it would shock the crap in me. And when it did it, it would just turn off. Luckily, most of the times it just turned back on, but eventually one day it didn't come back on. And now it's time for the feedback. And many of you kept asking on the Raspberry Pi 2 workstation video how to show that system information. Well, what they're talking about is a program called HTOP. Um, It is a very, very nice little program. The program is called HTOP, and if you have it installed, it's just H-T-O-P. Hit enter, and this was the stat screen that they were talking about. It gives you um, all the CPU usage, memory usage, swap usage, if you have it, across all cores. Gives you how many tasks are running, uh, the load average, and uptime. And then in this list here, you're able to see all the different processes in running. And it looks like there's a lot of Firefox in this one. To get it installed, I will go over some quick little, so most of you probably would be under um, Ubuntu. All you got to do is sudo apt, sudo apt get install htop. Hit enter on that, 
enter your credentials, and away you go. And for us Arch Linux users, it is sudo pacman-s Go ahead and hit enter on that, and that'll go ahead and install it on your Arch distribution. And if you have feedback or a question, go ahead and email us at feedback at geekingoffpodcast.com. Yes, go ahead, hit us up on that email address to ask your question, comments, or concerns. Or you can just leave a comment on any of my videos on YouTube, and I will randomly select one that will fit into the show. And that brings us to the end of this Geeking Off podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed and you come join us again in the future. If you want to check out past episodes of the Geeking Off podcast, go ahead and hit us up at geekingoffpodcast.com. On this site, you can subscribe to the RSS feed or join us on iTunes if you use iTunes, if you're one of those people that uses it. So go ahead, hit us up there. You can go ahead, join this page, and you can download or listen to all the podcasts. Also, if you would like to support us, go ahead and hit us at patreon.com forward slash anthrit. And here we got a Patreon. If you go ahead and just sign up, it's only a dollar just to pledge once a month. You get um, an account on anthrit.com per your request. Get content as soon as I upload them to YouTube before they go on the live, you know, schedule of Thursdays when they become live to everybody on the internet so you can get early access as soon as I get that sucker uploaded to the tubes and if you want you can always just get a tweet from me so go ahead if you want to throw us a buck hit us up on Patreon and remember to check us out on anthrit.com where on the right side we got a video schedule so if you want to know what videos are coming out in the future or podcast you can see them here this schedule is subject to change as you know this week I was trying to do uh, the deck link mini recorder and I ran into issues and I wasn't very happy about it so unfortunately I had to push it down and actually boost up the podcast um, for this week's video and also go ahead and vote on your favorite operating system right here just do it just do it and there's many sections of the sites. You can check out all videos from Geeking Off to Mining Penguin to all my vlogs, skits, the main course, music, you name it. We got it on here. Everything's nicely put somewhere on the site so you can watch all of the Anthrit content of Anthware Studios. And also, this will be getting changed to do you want to you know, become a guest of the show? This form's going to be the same. It'll probably be updated hopefully by the time I get this podcast out. So go ahead, you just fill out this form, and I might email you and say, hey, you want to be in a future show as a guest and ask you what kind of topics you would like to talk about. I would like to thank everybody for sitting in and joining us on this episode of the Geeking Off Podcast. This is Anthony from Anthware, and from this time and every time on, folks, keep on clicking. This is Anthony from Anthware, signing off. <laughs>